This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week's podcast is brought to you by BHP. Copper is a big deal in the energy transition because it's used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. When it comes to producing copper responsibly, it's happening now at BHP. Good morning, I'm Alice Dempster. And I'm Claire Kimball. It's Thursday the 16th of November. In your squiz today, wages grow in Oz, Israel moves on Gaza's main hospital, getting ready for summer, and a night of Aussie music. This is your squiz today. If the cost of living has been on your mind this year, you're not the only one which is why it might be a bit of a surprise to learn that Australia's just seen the fastest quarterly wage growth since the records began 26 years ago. Yeah, that was data from the Bureau of Statistics that was out yesterday. They said that wages rose 1.3% for the July-September quarter and 4% for the year. That rise was mostly off the back of increases to the minimum wage and also pay negotiations in the new financial year that factored in large-ish pay bumps to reflect the rising inflation rate. Uh, as for where the growth was recorded, the private sector recorded the highest wage growth at 4.2%. The public sector was 3.5%. Increasing wages is considered a good thing for many people, but economist Callum Pickering says that despite the overall growth, wages are still down around 7% from their peak and they're hovering around their lowest level in 13 years. Yeah, so what he's talking about there is a measurement of real wages. Uh, That's when you take inflation into account. So you might be getting paid more, but if prices are going up by more than that, it erodes your financial position. And you can see that with Australia's inflation rate coming in at 5.6% in September. Of course, it's been much higher than that when you look back over the last couple of years. Um, The other thing that's eating into our income is rising interest rates. They're now at a 12-year high of 4.35% and reports say, very sadly, sorry Alice, (laughs) that things aren't going to be much better until we get to the end of 2025. Yeah, and this has been playing out around the developed world and it's been a big focus at the Asia-Pacific Economic Cooperation Summit. That's the APEC Summit that's happening in San Francisco this week. And Just on that, Claire, Presidents Xi Jinping and Joe Biden are meeting there as we speak this morning. Reports say they've set aside four hours to talk about their economic woes, along with human rights, the issue of Taiwan's independence and climate change. So keep an eye out for that today. The Al-Shifa hospital in Gaza City continues to be the focus in Israel's war on Hamas. Yesterday, Israel raided the facility in what they called a precise and targeted operation because they believe Hamas is using it as a command centre, and that is ongoing this morning. Yeah, that's according to reports. It's impossible for the major media outlets to get independent and verified information, but what Israeli officials say is that they've told hospital authorities in the lead-up to that raid of their plan to search the facility for what they say is terrorist means. Uh, That's, as you say, the belief that Hamas has been there. Uh, Also, that they had plans to deliver medical aid, including incubators and baby food and other medical supplies. But 
Palestinian officials, um, the heads of several United Nations agencies and also regional leaders from the Middle East have condemned that raid. They warn that it has put vulnerable lives at risk. But overnight, Israel's Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, was defiant. He says that there is, and this is the quote, no place in Gaza that we will not reach. And this morning, the United Nations Security Council will vote on a draft resolution for a humanitarian pause to the fighting in Gaza. It'll be their fifth vote after the previous four attempts were unsuccessful over arguments about whether to call for a humanitarian pause or a formal ceasefire. I think it's fair to say, Claire, that Australia's had a rough 12 months where cybersecurity is concerned, and the Australian Signals Directorate reckons it's not going to get any easier. Yeah, so it's the agency that keeps an eye on these things, Um, signals, of course, being those digital signals that go across the ether that we can't (laughs) see, but they're on top of it. Um, And yesterday, their big takeaway from a cyber threat report was that Australians have high levels of internet connectivity and also relative wealth, which makes us a target for cybercrime. It also went into who's coming for us. It named China as the major backer of serious hacking exploits. So that's definitely something they're keeping an eye on, they say. Um, To deal with the issue, the Albanese government appointed a national cyber security coordinator. His name was Darren Goldie. They did that mid this year, but yesterday he was recalled to the Department of Defence, which is where he came from to deal with a workplace matter. There were no other details released on that or word on who might take over the cybersecurity reins. And a bit of semi-adjacent tech news, we received an explanation for the Optus outage last week. An unnamed engineer says a software update at Optus's parent company Singtel resulted in the network crashing. A quick message now from our podcast partner, BHP. Across the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking to Squizzers about BHP and the work they're doing to provide the materials that we need to transition to a low emission economy for the energy transition. At the start of the podcast, you heard how copper is used to make electric vehicles, wind turbines and solar panels. So when it comes to producing it, reducing emissions is a priority. And that's why BHP is making solar, wind and battery deals to help power their South Australian Olympic Dam Copper Mine. It's happening now at BHP. We've known for a while now that most of Oz is in for a hot summer. And yesterday, our energy chiefs gave us permission to switch the aircon on when the temps rise. Yeah, of course, we've been talking for a while about El Nino and what that means, that Mm -hmm. it's going to be hot and dry. They're certainly still expecting that. There's no change in that outlook. But what is good news is that the Australian energy market operator said that when you look across the electricity grid, we should have enough surge capacity for that electricity demand. Of course, they're anticipating on these really hot days, we're all going to reach for the fans and the air con. So there will be those spikes and what they say is that with extra rooftop solar and also wind farms, they're going to be able to handle the supply. Um, There is a catch though. The system can't afford any unexpected breakdowns. That's happened in the past, particularly because we've got ageing coal-fired plants and they do go offline from time to time. If that does happen, they say that Victoria and South Australia are the first in line for blackouts. And scientists are also continuing to warn us about rising temperatures right around the world, 
Researchers reckon five times as many people could die of heat-related causes by 2050. So that's all the more reason to keep hydrated and check in on your neighbours this summer. Last night was a big one for Kylie Minogue. She won her first Aria trophy in 21 years and it was for the best pop release for her song Padam Padam. Now it's just when I get that song out of my head someone <laughs> says its title again and it's firmly stuck there for another day. There. So <laughs> thank you so much for that. Um, unfortunately Kylie Minogue wasn't in Sydney to accept that in person. I reckon if she was Sydney would have gone off last night. Um, she's in Las Vegas doing a big race residency there. So she did send her thank yous and thank yous to Australians for their support and for the win. Um, What she said was, padam to you, padam to everyone. (laughs) So that's a lovely sentiment. Um, Also doing very well was Troy Sivan. He really stole the show. He took home four arias, including for Song of the Year with his song Rush. He also won Best Solo Artist. And someone else who performed well was the Canberra singer Genesis Owusu. He scored two wins including Album of the Year. And the ex-Yellow Wiggle Emma Watkins also won Best Children's Album over her former group. If you're keen to see the full list of winners or take a look through the red carpet gallery, I'll pop them in the episode notes today. Squeeze the day, Claire. What's on today? Alice, I got a bit excited with Alex yesterday and said that the Aussie men's cricket team <laughs> was playing the World Cup semi-final <laughs> last night. It's actually on tonight. So that's against South Africa. It's starting at 7.30. It's Eastern Daylight Savings Time. Um, also at 8 o'clock, it's a bit of a sporting night. The Socceroos are playing Bangladesh in Melbourne in their World Cup qualifier. Good one. And that's us done for today. Thank you for listening. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Hello, it's Bryce here from Squiz Kids. Kids and fiscal policy go together like peaches and cream, which is why we're excited to present a special Squiz Kids Q&A this week with Federal Treasurer Jim Chalmers. It's the podcast where the kids of Australia get to ask the questions. Tune in to Squiz Kids today to find out how the notorious B.I.G. has helped shape next week's budget, why the Treasurer considers himself more of a three-pointer than a slam dunker, and why his toenails will be painted with glitter nail polish next Tuesday when he stands in Parliament to hand down the budget. Plus, there's a cheeky question in there about his leadership ambition. All part of our mission to engage kids in the wider news agenda. Check it out in the Squiz Kids podcast feed or via squizkids.com.au.